forgotten Are we alone? Ten thousand captive In iron and stone Word of the outside podcast or a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry this is james white the pastor at lighthouse community church in vernon alabama and i have the joy of sitting here with chris norsworthy an associate pastor at reformation church in baton rouge louisiana chris how's everything going your way well i'd love to say everything's going well but not everything is going well my life is personally pretty good we did have a um a death in our church monday we found out that one of our members had passed away on sunday and she's a younger mother older than you but had three kids and it was unexpected and i don't know if that makes it worse or not but so yeah our church is kind of going through a, a hard time right now you know the size of our church one person definitely affects everyone but that's a real downer of an opener maybe we shouldn't open with that but uh, i don't know it's a it's a real thing i don't we don't always have to open with happy stuff i guess but though the listeners may or may not know us personally depending on who's listening i think it is important to show you know kind of the negative side of things that we deal with not only in life but as we talk about on here you know this is talking about everyday ministry um in everyday ministry though we connect it so much to the local church it goes beyond that also it goes to our personal lives and things of the such and that's not always good it's not always easy so yeah um, i have no issue starting off with negative things because <laughs> i think it's a real aspect of life that needs to be addressed and kind of how you move on from that and how you deal with those things so because that's the reality of life so yeah no i agree well uh, on my end everything's going well Last time I said that I was starting school and I have started school, but I had planned on after I recorded that Thursday, by the time that Monday rolled around, at that point I decided not to go to school this summer and just take the summer off. But then I checked into it and for me to drop the two classes I had, it was going to cost me money (laughs) where I'm on scholarship to take the classes. So I just decided to take the classes anyway. So at that point I was looking forward to a break and now I don't have a break. So... But that's okay. Taking church history too, which is from Reformation on to modern day church history. And I'm also taking counseling ministry. Oh, They're both cool. technically two hour classes, 
But what I have found is there's no difference between a two-hour class and a three-hour class, especially when you take them during the summertime. Yeah, I've never understood why they even pretend to change them. Like, <laughs> why it's a two-hour or not. Yeah, so like my two-hour class, I have a 20-page paper doing it. You can't call it a two-hour class if I got a 20-page paper I have to do on something. Yeah. It's just not feasible. But that's all right. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to both classes. I've enjoyed both of them so far. Now, I'm already behind, but that's just when you take summer classes, that kind of happens. Like right now, we I have a book review due Friday, I mean Saturday, and we're recording on Thursday, so it's due in two days. I'm about 75% done with the book itself, but hmm. the class started last Monday. So wow. it, um, the first email, they said that the book review is coming up fairly quick but <laughs> i didn't pay attention to how quick it was <laughs> and on top of that i volunteered to work so with my post office job i can i have the office i work in and then i can work any other office that i want to work at mm. if people request for me to work and before classes even started i had lined up to work 38 hours this week so not a good timing for that but that's all right that's just the nature of life as well. So, well, also something new to the podcast as well that we're going to just go ahead and briefly announce and then we'll address it more in depth starting next month is that we're also joining a community of other podcasts called the Christian Podcast Community. And I guess we're officially a part of it now, but yeah. we still got to work on transitioning everything onto their websites and all of those different things. And so starting next month, the listeners are going to hear a little different format from us because we're going to have commercials and things of that nature. But I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a good thing and I think it's going to provide our listeners more opportunities to listen to other solid biblical podcasts based on different areas of life. And so as we transition to that, you, you as the listeners will hear the different ones that we recommend and things of the such. And though we may not line up with everything they may say or may not say, I think it'd be a good thing for you to listen to and explore those options. So that's what we got coming up next month. And then also this past Monday on the the second Monday of this month, we started releasing what we're calling Minister's Minutes, which are shorter podcasts that, as we say, for the minister with a short attention span. And they're going to last about 10 minutes long, and it's just going to address one specific question. And those will be releasing the alternate weeks of this podcast, this normal podcast that we're going to do. So they'll be releasing the second and fourth Mondays. And then the months that there happens to be a fifth Monday, we'll release one then as well. And so we're going to start having content for you listeners every week of the month. And looking forward to that, looking forward to addressing different things as individuals that are co-hosts here, but also as we come together to discuss different topics that we kind of build off one another and bounce off one another, uh, whatever, whatever the topic may be. So, but other than that, that's uh, everything going on in Chris and I in my life, as well as the life of the podcast. Yeah. Well, so, I just thought about something. Okay. This Sunday will be your first Father's Day, right? Um, I mean, not that the first father's day you've been alive, but since your daughter was born. Yes. Since she has come into the world. Yes. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, you know, if we want to be truly pro-life about it, then we, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It depends on your view of conception. We did happen to know. So yeah. I guess it was about a week ago now is uh -huh. a year, a week ago, or a year ago was when we <laughs> found out we were, we were having a, our first child. 
And so if you want to be technical about it, then no, it's not my first father's yeah, day. It is my first different. father's day with my daughter born and yeah. here with us. So, right. um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that now. Um, it's different. Uh, I, you know, it's still, it's still just another day, like other things, you know, um, just, just the way I look at special occasions like that. But mm-hmm. uh, do y'all have big plans for your father's day or that you know of anyway? <laughs> no, we do big stuff for mother's day. Yes. <laughs> father's day is like you said, it's, and that, I mean, I don't care. I, I might pick a restaurant, but then I also like to go see, um, my dad and my grandfather who's still still with us so you know i try to get take that opportunity to go celebrate them you know yeah well that's what we're gonna do we're gonna go see i'm gonna stop by and see my mother's father he's the only grandfather i have living now mm. and um then go see my father that day as well so you're gonna enjoy that so yeah but anyway as we kind of get in this conversation for this week's episode as we're picking back up, I know the last two months we had Royce on as we were addressing specific topics, just kind of one-off episodes. The first one was on um, apologetics, yes. and the second one was on small groups. But we're, this week, we're picking back up on our study through the Baptist Faith and Message, which we're on the fifth article, if I'm reading that no, Roman numeral correctly, <laughs> we're on the fifth article which is titled God's Purpose of Grace. Now, mm-hmm. at this point in the podcast, if you're not driving or working or preoccupied to some extent, I would encourage you to just pause it or as we're about to read it to you, but take a moment, read it through it yourself, because I think we've said this a lot, and I think we'll continue to say this as we look at the Baptist faith. The message is most believers will agree pretty much with everything in the Baptist faith and message. Now they may desire for it to go in more detail in specific areas, or um, maybe if you, if that individual believed that women could be pastors, they would disagree with um, the next article that we'll look at. But what we see is that generally these statements are something that we should all be able to line up with to some extent. So um, I know that all of our listeners may or may not be Southern Baptists. And so this may not be a document you're, really familiar with. So I would encourage you to pause it, go back and just read the fifth article of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. You can find it by simply Googling Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Um, But as we look at this conversation, we're going to look at it in two parts, because if you've looked at it already, you'll see that there's two paragraphs. And really what we see in these two paragraphs is first paragraph is that election is a gracious purpose of God. And then the second one is that all true believers endure, endure to the end. Now, I think on that second point is where a lot of believers may separate upon. That may be an issue for someone out there that may or may not be listening. That's definitely the case for Free Will Baptists and even some non-denominational or Pentecostal or Church of God. But as we walk through this tonight, we're going to just break it up in these two different paragraphs. Chris, you want to read the first paragraph or the second? I'll go first. Election is the gracious purpose of God, according to which he regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies sinners. It is consistent with the free agency of man and comprehends all the means in connection with the end. It is the glorious display of God's sovereign goodness and is infinitely wise, holy, and unchangeable. 
It excludes boasting and promotes humility. All right, so let's just bring up the elephant in the room as you read through a statement like this. And it's the very first word of the statement, election. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, um, that word alone, or as you would have elaborate upon, would be predestination. And a, lo- a lot of people are going to separate in how they're going to translate and take this statement to mean when they look at this pure idea of election or predestination. And so though I think Chris and I would line up on similar views of what that would mean, we're going to try our best to just kind of present just the rest of the statement itself in a a fair way that would line up with all Southern Baptists. Yeah. So election, we see this word throughout the Old and New Testament, specifically the New Testament, multiple places. But as I said, we're going to differ on that. Some people would believe that election is this idea of God predestined some to come to grace. And the second view, I think Chris is going to kind of tackle that for us. Yeah. Although technically... A lot of, I think a lot of people in the whole first view would say that God is not electing people to uh, damnation, but he is electing some to salvation. Again, a lot of these kind of, like you said, you, you start getting nitpicky about very specific words and not that they're not important, but we can use general words and agree and then kind of get into the details. I wasn't raised Southern Baptist. Uh, so I wasn't raised believing the, the second paragraph, and we can talk about that in a minute. But the first pa- first part of the paragraph, uh, that election is God looking through the corridors of time. You know, God God looking in his foreknowledge, uh, which is a word that, you know, obviously is another word in the Bible. Uh, through his foreknowledge, he sees who was who is, who will choose him, essentially. He sees who will follow him and then elects them to salvation. He chooses them before eternity by viewing what happens in eternity. Um, And that's the way I was raised. And it's pretty similar, if not the same, as we might call most general Baptists or, you know, a lot of people in the Southern Baptists will say they're traditionalists. So that's essentially the way that they see it. It's not that um, it's outside of the plan of God or anything, but that God works essentially synergistically with the person to, to then uh, elect them, to choose them. Yeah, we do want to be gracious when we try yeah. to present opposite views of what we would have. And so if you're listening and maybe you have a different understanding of what election would be in your in your theological realm, you know, feel free to, you know, comment on the post that we put up on Facebook or email us or send us a Facebook message because we do want to have conversations about this and better understand others' views on this. But um, I, I personally, as many of the, the co-hosts here, not all of them necessarily, would say that election is that God is predestined something to salvation. But really what we want to focus on is the rest of it. It says this is the gracious purpose of God according to which he and then it goes on and gives these words, regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies sinners. Mm-hmm. Now, we addressed several of those definitions in a previous podcast uh, on salvation, which was the podcast on the Baptist faith and message before this one. And in that podcast, we did address regeneration and justification and sanctification and glorification. But really what we want to focus on this is that this is, all forms of salvation. It doesn't matter if you would hold to the view of predestination or not. We can all agree that it's the gracious purpose of God. This mm-hmm. is what God is doing in the individual's life. Yeah. And that he's working through us and in us yes. outside of us. Um, 
you know, he regenerates us, he justifies us, he sanctifies us and glorifies us. Some of that, I would say, be on the side of monergistically, where I would say that is the work of God only outside mm-hmm. of myself. Yeah. And something like sanctification would be the spirit uh, and the word working together to then, you know, lead me to live a holy life, lead me into a life of good works mm-hmm. um, where we're kind of, I would be on like the synergistic side of that, where we're working together, <laughs> essentially, progressively uh, living a holier life. Um, now, would you agree with if I said that most of us separate where regeneration falls in the process of salvation? Do you mean like does regeneration precede faith? Yeah. Yeah. Because for those that believe, I guess, in ultimate free will of man, they would say that regeneration happens after faith. Correct. Where I think somebody more of my own understanding would say that we have faith in God because he has regenerated us. Mm-hmm. So we would agree that it is a gift of God. Now, in what way is that a gift? In what way is that applied? We, we differentiate on because there is a general call to all men, you know, humankind to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from our perspective that if you're a slave to sin, if you're dead in your sins and trespasses, then you're 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 free to sin, but you're not free uh, to God, or you're not free to good works, or you're not free to salvation. Uh, you're headed in that direction, right? And in order to repent, you must be set free and given faith. So, yeah, that's kind of the ordo salutis uh, yeah. debate, or which what happens first. And our perception of things, it, you know, it <laughs> you don't. It's not a perceivable thing. It's a yeah in some sense, a, I don't want to call it theoretical, but I guess it's philosophical Yeah. in terms of what we think scripture says and would imply um, how that all works out. Mm-hmm. And then you have church splits over it. <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, even for me, I would say that it's almost a, yeah, it's almost simultaneously most times. It's where one is justified because of their faith and it's during this moment mm-hmm. of regeneration. And so, Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's more of a philosophical philosophy. Like we're looking back on something and saying yeah. it happened in this order. Mm-hmm. But in our perception, like our human perceptions of things without reading scripture, there wouldn't be really a debate on it. Probably it's yeah. just, you know, but we all agree that God saved us. And we, even those who would be on the, you know, the non Calvinistic side of soteriology, they would agree that it is not merited. Any Orthodox mm-hmm. Christian believes it is that that having faith is not merited to them as some good work before, like in order to like add to their salvation. Yes, they fully believe that it is the work of Christ and the work of God, the Father and the Spirit together that brings about salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, which is why at the end it says it excludes boasting. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that kind of gets us to the next sentence of this statement where it says it is consistent with the free agency of man and comprehends all the means in connection with the end. Mm -hmm. Just kind of paint the picture of both sides is that most individuals that would hold to more of a traditionalist view would say that man has free will to choose. And then they would argue that those that hold to Calvinistic views would say that man doesn't have free will. Mm-hmm. Where I think that's well, that's kind of a misunderstanding is that we would all agree that man has free will. 
Right. But the issue is that because man has free will and man is sinful creatures, that their free will tends to reject Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, we would all, we would agree with this statement in saying that all that have come to Christ in salvation have come to him under a free agency, under this free will. They've chose to follow after Christ. Right. So yeah. They might have been persuaded and dragged and whatever the case may be, but they've come to him freely. Yeah, and that's the thing is that if you're a slave, if you're dead, and then like in our perception is that God then grants you faith, Mm -hmm. right? Like he frees you. He sets you free from that bondage. You then see the truth. You're able to clearly see it in your freedom. Mm -hmm. Then you, it's 100% without fail. People accept him, (laughs) right? And people put their, you know, people follow him, put their faith in him, see him as Lord, humble themselves. Um, and can I read, uh, just from the abstract of principles real quick? Yeah. Because, you know, I love, well, we'll oh, I'll say this, that this document, uh, Baptist faith, the message 2000 and the previous versions is, is written and, you know, updated by both those who are Calvinists and non-Calvinists within the Southern Baptist convention. Yeah. Correct. And then. I just always find the term traditionalist funny uh, because the abstract of principles, which is the first statement of faith ever within the Southern Baptist convention. And it is the statement of faith of the Southern Southern Baptist seminary. Uh, It says this whenever it comes to election and you'll see that the wording is very similar, but obviously for the purpose of unity, um, in the Baptist faith, the message, it was changed. Uh, abstract of principle says election is God's eternal choice of some persons unto everlasting life, not because of foreseen merit in them, but of his mere mercy in Christ in consequence of which choice they are called justified and glorified. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think I want I think it's, it's worth pointing out kind of like, as I was trying to say earlier, is that I think some Calvinists would say, you know, like, like how it says here, not for any foreseen merit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know anybody who would, who would, who's Calvinist or not Calvinist would say that anything in them merited the favor with God mm-hmm. in order to earn salvation. Um, yeah. I just want to be clear about that is that maybe there are some people out there who say that, but that's not what this statement is saying that you're able to earn any favor with God outside of his actions. Well, I think the issue falls more into the second category that we're going to look at mm-hmm. is that we don't tend to add works to our salvation, but simply we add works to our maintaining of our salvation. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll kind of look and see how that falls apart in the second paragraph. But um, I think that really, is where it falls into because every every individual I know that is like you said orthodox would say that the only way of salvation is through Christ and Christ alone, yeah. and that nothing in and of themselves would be uh, an ability to save themselves. Now, uh-huh. um, and I think that's where the when you look at the Calvinistic side of things, I think that's where their unfavorable uh, charitable sure. argument yeah. would be is saying that the traditionalist view of saying that man has free will to choose Christ and not have faith in him. That's where um, 
some Calvinists would say is that that faith is a work. Right. And I don't think that would necessarily be the case. No, I agree. Now, I mean, I'm sure that there's some version that somebody's preaching out there that might frame it that way, mm-hmm. but I don't know anybody who does. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's also the thing about Southern Baptist world as we look at a document is this, is that Southern Baptist churches are all autonomous. So mm-hmm. unless it's just clear heresy or, and just the right person knows about it, there could right. be things that go on in the Southern Baptist church that we, we would disagree with. You know, that's just a reality to it, or that would con- be contrary to this statement in and of itself. Oh, yeah, totally. But so we, we see this to be the case. We see all this to be the case. Um, the true reality is that one is saved because it's a gracious purpose of God where God regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, glorifies. And in doing this, he's working consistently and along i don't know if alongside is a good way of saying it but he's working with man's free will to bring people into himself Uh but one thing i do want to go into the fact that those who believe in calvinism would say that everyone that is saved has to believe in christ it's not that he's magically bringing people to himself that don't believe in him right that they still are saved through jesus and faith in him yeah Um, anyway well that, that and that's the thing is kind of what i was saying with like our perception of how like just because you're a calvinist or not doesn't necessarily change your perception of what's going on yeah right like scripture says the gospel must be preached and like if you if the gospel isn't preached and people won't hear the gospel and if people don't hear the gospel then they're not going to come to christ that's what the bible says mm-hmm. um i mean i'm paraphrasing but you know no matter what you believe and I get, we've already done a podcast on salvation but it's consistent with the free agency of man and and comprehends all the means and connections with the end well the main means of salvation mm-hmm. is the proclamation of the gospel yeah you have to go out and preach the gospel no matter what you believe yeah. uh, whether you believe that god saw people you know through the corridors of time accepting the gospel or whether you believe that they've been elect before any creation ever happened and that god knew who he was going to choose uh, outside of any decisions we ever made beforehand, but his way of saving people is through the gospel. Right. So, but we can also look at, you know, Spurgeon kind of made the, the argument from a perception point of view as well as saying, you know, um, why was he born to a Christian mother who read the Bible to him and preached the gospel to him rather than being born in some country that's not, a Christian nation, whether they don't have Bibles, where they're not being preached the gospel, they live their whole life without hearing of Jesus. Um, what's the difference between him and that person? One major difference is that where he was born. Mm-hmm. Another major, like the he was able to hear the gospel, and these are all things that we're talking about. You know, the a means to an end. Those are all things outside of our control. Yeah, and we're saying that. I would say all of those things are outside of our control. And, you know, like that's just from a perception. How can you argue one or the other? Or people would say God's not gracious. Like they see the doctrine of election from our standpoint and say, well, that means God's not gracious. And then they have to look at the those kind of questions, too. Well, if God's not gracious, then then you get people into saying arguments. Well, people who never heard the gospel, well, then maybe they still have another way to get to heaven or, you know, things like that. I've heard that in more Southern Baptist churches than I would like to admit mm-hmm. that, you know, 
God will be more gracious to those that have never heard the gospel. I mean, even when I was a kid, I heard it, man. I was in, it's kind of weird. You know, I look back on my life and, you know, as we're talking about here at the end of this, it says, this is clear boasting and promotes humility. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying anything I'm saying out of boastfulness, but rather humility mm-hmm. is that even as a 12 and 13 year old that was hearing this for some people in my church, I was thinking, that's not true. That's contrary to Romans one, mm-hmm. where it says that all are going to be judged according to the law in which God has written on their hearts, yeah. because God has revealed Himself to all humanity through His creation. Now, mm-hmm. now the gospel is not revealed to all, but God Himself is, and right. so and that's what that's what you have to contend with. Or that's one of the major things you have to contend with here is that the gospel isn't given to all, and it mm-hmm. is our responsibility to bring the gospel to as many places as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't happen. And we're going to be honest. It's a hard pill to swallow sometimes that some people may have never had the opportunity to respond to the gospel, but who are we to talk back to God? You know, it's, it's, you know, what we see in scriptures, we are just the clay and how are we going to talk back to the, the potter that is created and molded and made us? I mean, are we going to answer back to that person? Uh, Which is God. And so, but anyway, as we wrap up this part of this statement, it kind of ends by saying it is the glorious display of God's sovereign goodness. Now that word sovereign is key in this conversation <laughs> and it is infinite wise, holy and unchangeable. It excuses boasting and promotes humility. Mm-hmm. And that's where my, my statement and my, my, my argument always falls back to is this idea of God's sovereignty, but also his, this idea of his, his infinitely wise mm-hmm. is that God is not, only sovereign, meaning that he's not only in control of the entire world and everything in it and everything that has been or will be in it, all of creation, all humans, but he's also infinitely wise. So he's working out his perfect will throughout the world Mm -hmm. from the day that it was created to the day that it ends. And so that's the one working our salvation. And so what I would like to end with on this note and just kind of give you an opportunity to kind of say some things as well as simply just to say is that regardless of where you land on this, regardless if you as the listener would land on more of a, a predestinational understanding of salvation, or if you would land on more of a traditionalist where man has complete free will, we would all line up with the idea that it is a complete work of God regardless, mm-hmm. that it is by the merit of God alone, the grace of God alone that we are saved. And he is working this out in his sovereignty and in his infinite wisdom. And so we can land on that with great joy and great peace, not only in our personal salvations, but as you were talking about, is that we have this command now to take the gospel elsewhere, not only um, to the ends of the world, but also to the across the street, wherever we may live. And so because salvation is a complete work of God, then we can openly proclaim the gospel uh-huh. and have encouragement in doing so because we don't save anyone. Right. We, as everyday ministers, don't bring a single person into salvation. It's uh-huh. a complete work of God. So therefore we rest in that and then still proclaim his good news. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. And I think that understanding this is, should take a burden off of you. Uh, I mean, for one thing, like, like I said, it excludes boasting and excludes boasting in your own salvation. And it should exclude boasting. If you preach the gospel to someone and then they come to Christ. Um, and it should promote humility because you know that it was, it's a work of God from the beginning to the end. And that without him, like there would be no option for salvation without his work. There's nothing you could do for yourself. And then to be humble 
because you you had the opportunity to hear the gospel mm-hmm. um, and to come to salvation and reconciliation to the Father, which without that, we're all outside of it. So, all yeah. right. So, let's look at the second statement where it reads, All true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by his Spirit will never fall away from the state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. Believers may fall into sin through neglect or temptation, whereby they grieve the Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves. Yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. To me, this is one of the most encouraging statements in the entire Baptist faith and message. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's also one of the most encouraging doctrines of the Christian faith. Now, obviously, as we said, that this is where many individuals are going to separate upon. As you said, Chris, when you were being raised up in the church, this was not a doctrine that you all held to. And then I have plenty of family members and my wife's families that that are free world Baptists and grew up in that world. And and so they don't hold to this view. This is um, this is a separation for many. But one thing I just want to highlight about it is really the second word in the entire paragraph, which says all true believers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing there is true believers. Right. If that if somebody is truly come to Christ in salvation, if if God has truly regenerated and justified and is sanctifying that individual, then he will glorify them one day. It's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And the reason why this is the case is because God is the one that saved them, that it wasn't due to their merit that they were saved. It was due to the merit of Christ bestowed upon them and and the coming and realization in the faith that they have put in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the reason they're going to be held till the end or endure to the end is because their salvation was a complete work of God. Yeah. Now, this was the thing that, like I said, I had to come to obviously not on my own, but it was through means outside of uh, the Bible school I was in or the church I was attending or the church I grew up in that God used to (laughs) turn me into a Baptist. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, these were things that I I didn't start to learn and understand until I was um, in my early twenties after having grown up in church my entire life. And like I said, my dad is a pastor I want to say it was this year. He and my parents were over for dinner, and my dad was like, "Oh, so I believe this now, <laughs> basically." Um, and, and we had like a long conversation about it. And it's cool to see that someone who has been a a believer from since the early seventies got saved in like the Pentecostal movement, or you know, charismatic Pentecostal movement is still in that movement, and then can then still be led to further understanding of what scripture teaches. And like, it was, it was something that for me, I was able to like preach at church and stuff with them. And I could preach about grace and God's work, everything up until the point of perseverance of the saints or preservation of the saints. But then to see that, you know, God works in all of us in our understandings to different degrees at different times. And for me, we were able to have that conversation where like and agree on it finally. And that, (laughs) and that was good, but it was such a freeing thing for me and for my wife to understand the, this doctrine after having grown up being taught otherwise, having grown up where I was a kid and thinking, every night I need to say my prayers and try to remember every sin I, I committed that day and repent of all my sins. So I don't die in my sleep. 
and go to hell. <laughs> and not that that was ever probably ever literally taught to me, but in a lot of roundabout ways, you don't know. So you might as well. Right. And those were kind of things of like we we're saying, along with the doctrine of election and the work of Christ and the work of the spirit and the person who is hearing the gospel being drawn to him um, and kind of taking that burden off in terms of evangelism and preaching the gospel in terms of just assurance of salvation, having faith that one, it was his work from the beginning. So that was never me or anything I did. And after regeneration, it's not my work. It's still his work. Now that brings us back to the point of like, it's freeing, but yeah, all true believers and true believers do have fruit in their life. They do have good works. Faith without works is dead. So we do see a change yeah. and there is fruit. Uh, so it's not like I said a prayer and then now I'm saved. I don't, I can go live however I want to. Um, well, maybe it kind of is because part of your want to changes <laughs> whenever yeah. you become a Christian and as you read scripture and you know, those kind of things. So it, it becomes incredibly freeing. And then, where I'm not afraid of, I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm living in joy. Yeah. And then it actually promotes me to live a, a holier life. Cause that's actually what I'm thinking about his grace and his redemption and his love rather than me trying to maintain something that I couldn't have earned anyway. Well, and I know this is crossing threads on our episodes a little bit, but you know, Donald Whitney's book, he, <laughs> you know, he talks about the spiritual discipline of serving and, you know, discipleship, not discipleship, but evangelism. Mm -hmm. and the big emphasis he puts on those two things in that is our motivation is our salvation. That we're not saved because we do these, that we're right. motivated to do them because we have come to him in salvation. Right. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I my grandfather was a free will Baptist pastor. Sarah's grandparents raised her up in that essentially as well. And. Uh, but I didn't grow up, and I grew up in Southern Baptist, and we didn't really hold to any of those views. But to me, lo looking off, looking from the outside in, it would be a terrifying document uh, doctrine to hold, mm -hmm. because there is there is no assurance, you know. And right. I'm going to reference a book later talking that addresses um, not only his theology but others' theology when we get to the plugs of the week. But you know, I think about Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther. That's one thing that led him. <laughs> to really the Reformation was coming to understand that that salvation was a complete work of God because right. there was nothing in and of himself that could maintain his salvation. Yeah. And one thing about Luther is the fact that he would be in the confessional confessing all of his sins and then leave and then remember mm -hmm. a few of them and then try to go back. Yeah. And then eventually the other individuals would get mad at him because <laughs> he was in there for so long. Yeah. yeah. And you know what he, in the statement he had, and it's, I know it's a little different to our, our, our modern day thought is he said that if anybody could ever come into salvation or into heaven through monkery, then I would have, because that <laughs> was the person that Luther was, uh -huh. but his salvation and his maintaining of his salvation was not on himself. Just like it's not for any of us. Yeah. Now, briefly, I do want to just address is this idea. It says, believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves. And I guess this is what we could 
quote unquote say backsliding uh, or yeah. uh, that's what we would kind of equip that uh, equate that to and it's really that though we have come to Christ in salvation though we will always be saved and maintained our salvation there are going to be moments in believers life where they may fall into sin mm-hmm. yeah and uh, i like how it points out neglect and temptation not just temptation but also right. neglect yeah. So often we try to blame the devil or <laughs> the world or whatever the case may be, but it's also neglect on our part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of these things are just, some of them are practical. It's like, look, you can make, if, if like, if you're a Christian and then for one, one day you just decide to do heroin, <laughs> like it's going to have a physical effect on you. Um, yeah. it, it could get you to get arrested or lose your job or to lose your family. Um, if you're a pastor and you have an affair, you know, that wasn't just temptation. That's through neglect. It didn't surprise mm-hmm. you one day, right? You yeah. put your, you put yourself in a bad situation and that is going to bring on, of course, you know, all of the things that I've said, but it also brings reproach on the cause of Christ. It gives your church a bad name. It gives the church a bad name and it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore, but your actions still have consequences. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the important thing to note in that is that when we do fall into this neglect and temptation is, you know, so often we think of our personal witness that it gives us a bad witness per se, Mm -hmm. but it's more than that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's giving, like you said, the church that you're a part of, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a church member. Right. It's giving your church a bad name. It's yeah. giving the church a bad name. It's giving Christ a bad name. Yeah, uh, and I'm just using extreme examples to make the point, but yeah. the, right. these happen in smaller ways in our you know everyday ministry lives. That's right, and you know, and I think that's important to note in that because you know, and I think obviously when it's talking about this that falls into sin through neglect and temptation. I would argue that it's talking more of falling into a more of a temporary lifestyle of sin mm-hmm. rather than a sinful moment in your day. Now, right. I would say that it probably equates to all of those things, but mm-hmm. probably more or less it's addressing the moments where an individual may fall from uh, yeah. a relationship with God for a period of time, however long that may yeah. be. Yeah, I think we usually kind of use those. They've fallen into sin rather than they sinned. Yeah, so it's like we all sin every day. Most of the time, we probably don't even know what, don't even notice those things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, falling into sin, I think, is typically something that would be a phrase used for what you're describing. Yeah, exactly. So you know, we're gonna transition to the plugs of the week. But as we look at these these two paragraphs of this article of the document of Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Really, we see this idea of God's purpose of grace is one, to bring people to himself, and secondly, to maintain their salvation until the mm-hmm. end. I just want to point out that I think we often use perseverance of the saints, um, and it says here persevere, but that last line really does make it clear that it's preservation of the saints. It's God's work mm-hmm. uh, preserving us because it is we are kept through his power to salvation. So, you know, just to clarify, if you see either one of those things that they're essentially the, the same statement, but. Well, and I guess I should briefly come back to a statement I said earlier is that often we find um, this temptation 
and not saying that we're saved by works, but that we maintain our salvation by our works. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard the argument many times is what about that person that said a prayer or was baptized and they right. really live for Christ for their most of their life, but now they've fell back into sin and into the world and denounce him all together. And as we began this conversation of the um, keeping of the saints is this all true believers. Mm-hmm. Everyone is truly a believer. They are truly a believer because God has done the work of salvation on their lives. And if God has done the work of salvation on their life, there wasn't nothing in and of themselves that caused them to say be saved. And so therefore there's nothing in and of themselves that will maintain their salvation, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful and great thing because if I was to maintain my own salvation, I would have lost it a long, long time ago. Um, and that's how I fall into that thought process. So, But as we kind of wrap up the conversation, we look at these two things. We look at this idea of God's saving work of bringing individuals into himself for the purpose of regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification, as well as the fact that he maintains and preserves our salvation as we look at these two things in a practical sense, as we alluded to earlier, is that this brings um, this brings us a peace in many different ways. Ultimately, first and foremost, it brings us a peace of salvation that God has saved us through the work of Christ, but also that He's going to maintain our salvation. But secondly, as we go and do the work of ministry, as we go out, if you're a pastor or a church member, or you work with youth or children or music. Regardless of what you do, we're all called to go out, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And as we do that, that we can do that confidently because we understand and know that God is bringing individuals to himself. And that as he does that, he is going to save lost souls by the work of Christ upon the cross. And that there's nothing in and of ourselves that would do anything to convince or to persuade anyone to come to Christ. Um, and even to elaborate on that thought process just a little bit, in John chapter 11, we see that Jesus literally raises a man from death. And after he does that, people still don't believe in him. Mm. And so there's nothing that I can say or do on a Sunday morning or in my day-to-day job as a post office worker that would convince someone to come to Christ, that if, if they come to Christ, it's by the pure grace of God as he's regenerating, justifying, and sanctifying that individual so that one day they would be ultimately glorified. Um, And so as we look at this doctrine, as we look at this reality that is presented through the Baptist faith and message, let us find a peace, let us find a rest, let us find joy in these truths. And so with all that being said, Chris, is there anything you want to add before we jump to the plugs of the week? No, I mean, just other than the fact that I just want to make sure that (laughs) <laughs> we are clear on the uh, fact that we have dif- difference of opinion with a lot of people within the Southern Baptist convention. Um, but we definitely uh, believe that there is unity. Um, and that's what the kind of the purpose of this document that we're going through is for, but this is one of the most more contentious or if not most contentious uh, sections of the document. Um, so if, if at any point it seemed like we were being uh you know, haughty or indignant or, you know, not representing the other side very well. Um, that's definitely not on purpose. No, not at all. Because at the end of the day, um, Chris and I both, uh, we gather, we worship, we preach to, 
Uh, we learn from individuals that would line up differently than us on the view of soteriology um, because as long as we would line up with the fact that God is the one that saves individuals and that is by no merit of the person it's, uh, themselves, mm-hmm. rather a complete work of God, then we can work alongside one another. And then the, on the other side of that, if you um, believe in predestination, as long as you believe that it is necessary to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can line up with you. And so, and I think that's the two things that matters is understanding that salvation is a work of God, but also understanding as it said in the first statement that incomprehends all the means in the connection with the ends is that God, for whatever reason, chooses to use broken fallen men to bring other people to himself. I don't understand that. You think it would be just easier to bring <laughs> an angel down or to reveal it in a dream or something like that, but that's not the way that God chose to do it. So therefore we go and we proclaim. Yep. All right. So as we look at the plugs of the week, I have one plug for us that is, Similar to the topic, I guess, but kind of unrelated in a lot of ways. And I alluded to it earlier. And it's actually a book that I'm reading for my church history from Reformation to Modern History class. And it's called The Story of Christianity, Volume 2. And it's by Justin L. Gonzalez. And, you know, it's an academic book. It's a history book. Um, But it's a fantastic book just to understand where we come from as believers, where we come from as Baptists, because you're going to see the history of Baptist church through it. Now, after this class ends, I'm going to luckily take the second history class at some point where I'll read the first book, and I'm looking forward to that as well. But the plug I have is the story of Christianity, volume two. Chris, what you got for us? So if you want to get a little bit more into the some of the doctrinal issues uh, with election and that kind of thing. There's a book called A Modern Exposition of the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith by Samuel E. Waldron. And you'll probably want to get the fifth edition. Um, And you can find that at like Solid Ground Books. It's probably the best place to get that online. Um, And that's just uh, basically it's a, well, it's an exposition of the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, which is one of our the earliest Baptist confessions. So that goes into has breaks down the topics of that basically follows the 1689, which is a topical precursor to the Baptist faith, the message, and then kind of goes into with lots of scripture references, lots and lots of scripture references, and explaining some of those the history and finer points of contention and things like that within the uh, particular Baptist's statement. Okay. And also, in light of you pointing that out, we've recommended this as we've walked through the study, specifically Jamie, but I want to just kind of reference it again. It's called uh, An Exposition from the Faculty of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary on the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It's a free PDF you can download. If I can find the leak again, I'll put it in the show notes. And it's really just a exposition of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 in a short document. I think it's like two pages on this topic itself. Mm. It really actually only talked about the second paragraph. It really didn't talk about the first paragraph any. Probably because they didn't want to. <laughs> so, but as we. Unity above all else. That's right. As we get, uh, as we come to an end on this episode, like we said previously, Chris said it, I said it in the beginning and just kind of reiterated is that, you know, we have our views as individuals. We have our understanding of soteriology. 
Now, that may not reflect everyone that's on this podcast. That may not reflect every co-host here. And if we maybe wasn't as charitable as we should have been on the opposite view, contact us, send us a message. You can reach out to me directly or Chris directly. We'd be glad to talk to you about it. Um, And then also with that, I just want to end by saying once again, we want to thank the August Guns for allowing us to use their music, not only on this normal podcast, but also on our Minister's Minute episodes. And with that being said, check out our Minister's Minutes episodes. We, they're short 10-minute episodes where we address a specific question on ministry itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have another one come out this month. Not this Monday that this one's releasing, but the next Monday. So check that out. And then also, as we said on the front end, we are now a part of the Christian podcast community. And you are going to start hearing more about that as we get into the month of July. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and that it's been a benefit for you and your ministry that God has placed you in. If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page, share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. Mm